Hi there, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. On today's show, I'm speaking with Dr. Lisa Moscone, who's written a book called Brain Food, The Surprising Science of Eating for Cognitive Power. Busting through others' advice rooted in pseudoscience, Dr. Moscone uses medically sound recommendations for a complete food plan while calling out noteworthy surprises. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Dr. Lisa Moscone. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I was really intrigued when I heard about your book, Brain Food, The Surprising Science of Eating for Cognitive Power. Tell me how this all came about. Mm -hmm. I am a scientist, a neuroscientist to be precise, and brain nutrition has been a main focus of my research for, for many years. But to be honest, when I started, um, my research was really focused on biology and genetics. Um, my background is in, in neuroscience and nuclear medicine, and I'm from Italy. Mm -hmm. I'm from Florence in Italy, and I moved to New York to research the genetics behind Alzheimer's disease. And then over time, it was really my patients who got me interested in nutrition by, by, by saying something like, oh, I, I read that I should not eat grains at all. Yes. Is that right? Or... I learned that I should eat a lot of fat because the brain is made of fat. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that we, we don't study nutrition in school. I know. You know. Just many doctors don't study nutrition in school. And so I thought, huh, this is something I should, I should get smart about. And I, I went back to school and I completed another degree in nutrition. And I also uh, started my own lab about brain fitness and nutrition at NYU Medical, where I used to work. And I started looking into that, and I've been doing that, I've been doing that for years because I really wanted to be able to, to provide answers for my patients and for myself as well. I, I have a family history of Alzheimer's. That was my next question, why Alzheimer's was so important. I know sometimes people do things like this because it is close to, the, to their heart, because they're, they're involved with somebody in their family that perhaps has Alzheimer's. Yes, for me, is is ironic in some ways. I started working in Alzheimer's disease just because that's what the what the nuclear medicine medicine department was doing when I started working with them. And just a couple of years later, my grandmother developed dementia, oh. and it was it was very shocking. Like one thing is the research, and one thing is reading about it, and one thing is actually having to go through that and see somebody you love really suffer. Mm -hmm. I'm now the associate director of the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic at Wild Cornell Medical College in New York. And I think it's incredible what, what can be done in terms of prevention and just the opportunity to talk about preventing Alzheimer's. It's, it's a very new concept. I had a grandmother who was uh, showing signs of dementia, and I, would, I was thinking, I wonder if it has anything to do with her diet. It was very, you know, high-fat, mm. processed, nothing really healthy. I never really saw her, you know, eating salad and just, you know, she was at that point in a nursing home. But I started thinking, mm -hmm. I feel like we need to take a look at, you know, not treating Alzheimer's with just medicine, but look at what's going into yes. our bodies. I completely, I couldn't agree more with you. I, when I started in the field, most people thought about Alzheimer's as inevitable in some way as like either an outcome of your DNA, of your ed aging, or both. And now instead it's very clear that genes are not the destiny and that aging is not a linear path 
to dementia. And it's becoming clear, more and more clear, that there's consensus, actually, which is amazing among scientists, that Mm -hmm. at least one-third of all Alzheimer's cases could be prevented by improving lifestyle, like from improving cardiovascular fitness to keeping your brains intellectually stimulated and, of course, eating better. So I think it's really important that as a society, we need to we need to learn to eat for our brains. This is why I wanted to have you on my show, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, because Thank I, you. yeah, you know, I actually went into a grocery store recently and I picked up some items I used to eat as a child because I was a very sad child. I was a bit depressed. I didn't like school and I didn't do well. I, I was living in New York at the time, and. I was mm. eating things like cheese whiz. That you talk about this—the processed cheese in a in a can or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I was eating yeah. um, these things, chicken in a biscuit, and I looked at it and I said, "Oh my gosh, MSG! No wonder." Uh, or sodium nitrite. Mm-hmm. That was part of my diet. And now I'm a vegetarian yeah. and I eat really healthy. I, there's no way I'd eat anything processed. But I, uh-huh. I That's see. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I see that you can change completely how you feel based on obviously what you're saying, what you put in your body. Yes, I completely agree with you and so many patients confirm that as well at the clinic. But I think as a society we're comfortable with the idea that we feed our bodies, but we're less aware that we feed our brains too. And the foods that we eat change not only the way we look, but also the way we think. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because we're an aging society. And getting older, of course, increases your risk of developing dementia as you you get older. So in a way, the same way that we would want to save for retirement, we should also start eating for retirement. And really make sure that we age gracefully with our mental capacities intact. Oh, I fully agree. I want to mention on some of the material I received... And by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Dr. Lisa Moscone, calling in from New York. Some of the foods, the top five foods to avoid at all times, fast food, white sugar, white flour and its derivatives, soda, and processed meats. Yes. Basically, the Western diet. Western diet. Sure. I mean, look at all the fast food and how inexpensive it is. and, And then you look at diabetes that occurs and all these other problems. Yes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, dementia. We're we're not a healthy society, and diet plays a big role in that. Uh, My father, two years ago, passed away from colon cancer. By the time he was diagnosed, it was stage four. Thank you. And (gasps) I was already changing the way I eat, and he would, you know, kind of battle with me occasionally, like, what is that? All I see is vegetables on your plate. And, but... You know, it made me really definitely hone in on everything I was eating, you know, because it I felt it had a huge impact on his life. Yes, yes, for sure. So many people are eating a diet that's not necessarily the healthiest one, and they're mm-hmm. just not aware. And, you know, and on the na- at the national level, we, we should really try to raise awareness that we deserve real food. We deserve healthy, good food. Can you talk about the gluten controversy? I, I can. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think gluten is controversial at mm-hmm. this point, and I find that um, a lot of people are now going on gluten-free diets um, without necessarily having a medical reason to do so. And um, gluten experts or celiac disease experts uh, clearly state 
that 1% of the population suffers from celiac disease, which is the kind of uh, autoimmune disorder that reacts to gluten. Yes. And they should definitely, definitely stay away from gluten. I, I have some friends who suffer from that, and it's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a debilitating disease. On top of that, about between 1% and 6% of the population has gluten intolerance or some kind of gluten sensitivity, depending on which terminology we want to use. And for them, they should really seek medical advice and, um, and make sure that they modify their diet in a way that um, retains all the nutrients that they need, like, for instance, fiber. One of the first things that happens when you go gluten-free is that you reduce your grains dramatically, and that could lead to a deficiency in fiber. Okay. Now, that said... For the rest of the population, there is no, from a scientific perspective, there is no clear or conclusive evidence that gluten consumption will give you cognitive decline or dementia. There is just no research done on it. Interesting. So, yeah, there are, I mean, there are, there are publications in people with celiac disease and people with gluten, gluten sensitivities, mm-hmm. but not in people without. So I would urge... Uh, research to catch up with the news. <laughs> okay. And we need clinical trials. We need to, to really test whether a single nutrient could affect our brains, and if so, how and why, and uh, what can we do to, to stop that. But that said, you know, centenarians all over the world follow high-carb diets. Yes, they, they eat do. grains. Right. Um, people on vegetarian diets or on the Mediterranean diet, which is also a relatively high-carb diet do much better than people on Western diets, especially as far as their brains are concerned. I think yeah. they're doing something right. I have never felt and better. That really yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, I've never felt better. I want to, I know we have to wrap up soon. One of the things I love reading, he said, I strong, strongly recommend a small piece of dark chocolate just about every day. It's rich in antioxidant mm. flavonoids and the pyramid. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. I so we're always looking for foods that can support the health of our brains. And what happens is that people have a hard time following these very healthy diets because you need a little indulgence here and there. Um, raw cacao and dark chocolate with cocoa content of 80% or higher is very rich in a nutrient that is called theobromine. It's a, it's a Greek word. It means the food of the gods. Okay. And like caffeine is a stimulant. It really increases um, oxygen to the brain, which is really important because the brain needs, needs oxygen all the time to be really at its best. And it doesn't give you the jitters that sometimes coffee gives you. It's an antioxidant, so it's an anti-aging compound, and it really supports health in general, not just your heart, but also your brain. That's really interesting. I had no idea all those benefits. Yeah, there's also some evidence that raw cacao can help with insulin resistance. There are some clinical trials showing showing positive effects. Now, where can people find out more about you and your book? Oh, thank you for that. I would say my website is a good source of information. It's lisamasconi.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, I would say my website is probably the better, the best way. Do you have any lectures that are coming up that are open to the public or anything online that people could view? I have a lot online coming okay. out really soon. And I think the best way to, to get all this information at once is, is on my website. 
Fantastic. There's um, there's a page about events and public speaking and everything that's coming out in the news that I actually wrote and or that's been written about the book. Fantastic. And also about the research, all our publications and our research projects and the clinic. It's all on the website. Well, congratulations, because this is an outstanding book. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, best of luck with everything, and thank you, because this is such a gift to everybody. Oh, thank you for saying that. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org, and if you want to follow the show, I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock.